Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There is another host that is joining me today, Daniel Sun. Ayo! Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 113 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. So to see this full list of Patreon episodes, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and there the entire list of past Patreon-exclusive episodes will be listed. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is the Mandela Effect version 2.0, where we cover the newer Mandela effects that have occurred over the past year, along with theories as to what could be causing them. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over the 1996 Virginia UFO crash. So how today's episode will go is that we'll go into the story about what happened there in Brazil in 1996 and then go over multiple different individuals and their accounts of what they saw that day. And then we'll go into strange facts and findings, theories, and then of course we'll wrap it up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. In 1996, North American Aerospace Defense Command spotted numerous unidentified objects entering into Brazil's airspace. Only a few hours later, numerous eyewitnesses in Brazil made some bizarre claims. Such as an unidentified flying object crashing into a nearby field, small alien-like creatures roaming around the city, and a lot of Brazilian military vehicles spotted in the area. Did the people of Brazil really witness something out of this world, or was it all just made up? This is the 1996 Virginia UFO crash. All right, before we get into this crazy story, you need to know about two things. The first thing you need to know about is NORAD. Now, NORAD is the North American Aerospace Defense Command. It is responsible for protecting the North American continent from any attacks 
by missiles and other aircrafts. The second thing you need to know about is Syndacta. Syndacta is the Centre Integrado de Defesa Ario y Controle de Trafego Ario, which in English that translates to the Integrated Center for Air Defense and Air Traffic Control, which I know I probably butchered it in Portuguese. I'm sorry. But the Syndacta is the air traffic control center for Brazil and is responsible for its airspace. So think of it as the NORAD of Brazil. All right, now that you understand what those two things are, let's talk about the main story and how this all started. This entire story starts off on January 13th, 1996. On that day, NORAD was monitoring the skies like they usually do. Suddenly, out of nowhere, they detected a number of unidentified objects over the Western Hemisphere and saw that they were headed into Brazilian airspace. At that point, NORAD contacted Syndacta and told them what they are seeing on their radar. Syndacta confirmed that the objects were indeed entering into Brazilian airspace, and at that point, they immediately alerted the ESA Army Command in Trace Corações. And just a little knowledge nugget for you. The ESA Army Command is a high-security military academy base for the Brazilian Army. And they are responsible for a lot of things, including communications. So this is why they were contacted, all right? So following that, many individuals around Brazil started witnessing strange objects in the sky. For example, on that day, January 13, 1996, an individual named Carlos da Souza was driving along the Fernão Diaz Highway. So there is an intersection in that highway that if you take a left at, it takes you to the city of Virginia. And if you take a right at it, then it will take you to the city of Tres Corazoyes. Now, when Carlos arrived at that intersection, he heard a muffled roaring sound. Carlos, at that point, decided to step out of his truck and look up into the sky. Above him, 400 feet in the air, traveling parallel to the highway at around 40 to 50 miles per hour, making a muffled roaring sound, was a silvery, cigar-shaped craft that was around 30 to 40 feet long and 12 to 15 feet wide. The UFO also had at least four windows along the side of it, as well as a large, jagged hole in the front and a long dent or crack running from the hole to the center of the aircraft, from which white smoke was coming out of it. Upon seeing this UFO, Carlos was like, Oh shit, that's a UFO, and it looks like it's about to crash. And he decided, hey, I'm going to hop back into my truck, and I'm going to chase this UFO down. And that's what he did. He chased it for about 10 miles, and then all of a sudden the UFO ended up disappearing behind some elevated terrain. Now, at that point, Carlos started driving to the area where he thought the UFO had gone. 25 minutes later, Carlos arrived at a large field. In the far distance of this field, Carlos saw a lot of debris scattered throughout it, as well as 40 or so soldiers walking around collecting the debris. Near the soldiers were two army trucks, three cars, an ambulance, two male nurses or doctors, and a helicopter. Carlos decided to get out of his truck and walk towards some of the debris. At that point, he began to notice that the entire area smelled like ammonia. Carlos continued walking and eventually made it to a piece of the small debris. He bent over, picked it up, 
and noticed that the piece of debris was very light, and it was similar to aluminum. Now, when Carlos dropped the piece, it didn't fall straight to the ground. It sort of just floated to the ground, sort of like a feather. At that point, one of the soldiers spotted Carlos in the distance and shouted at him to leave. Carlos hopped in his truck and his ass left. Before driving back home, though, he decided to stop at a coffee shop. Upon stopping there, a car arrived and two military individuals approached Carlos. They told Carlos that they know who he is and everything about him and his family, that he was not to talk to anyone about what he had seen. Carlos told them that he wouldn't say a word, and then the men left. All right, so that right there is one of the many stories from individuals that witnessed a strange craft in that area of Brazil. Now, as weird as that was, things would only become even more bizarre in the following days. People started reportedly seeing weird creatures roaming the area, which we're going to get into that right now. So let's fast forward about seven days later. On January 20th, 1996, at 1.14 a.m., six miles east of the town of Virginia was a farm that was owned by a woman named Aurelina Augusta. Now, since it was about, you know, 1.14 a.m., of course Aurelina's ass was deep sleeping. However, she was suddenly awoken to the sound of her cows screaming. So Orlina got out of bed. She walked towards her window and opened it up to see what the hell was going on with her cows. Now, as she looked towards her pasture, she witnessed all of her cattle running away from something. That is when she noticed a faintly illuminated submarine-shaped craft hovering above all of them. Upon seeing that craft, Orlina quickly ran to her husband's side of the bed and woke him up. Orlina and her husband, Yuriko, both went to the window, looked out of it, and watched this UFO. As they were watching it, they noticed that it was emanating gray smoke from the back of it, and that it was moving slowly in a rocking motion only about 15 to 20 feet above the ground. Orlina and her husband watched this UFO for the next 45 minutes as it slowly flew away, heading in the direction of the city of Varjina. So on that same day of January 20th, 1996, at around 8.30 a.m., the Virginia City Fire Department got a call that a strange creature had been seen near the woods. Now, something you should know is that in Brazil, the fire department is run by the military police. Their duties include highway patrol, riot control, rescuing people in emergencies, firefighting, and capturing wild animals or dangerous reptiles. That is why the fire department was called out to investigate this strange creature. And something else that I wanted to mention real quick is that we talked about Orlina, and now what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go down like a timeline of people witnessing this creature all the way until like three days later. Okay, so I just wanted everybody to know that. We talked about Orlina, right? And now we're going to talk about uh, these people witnessing this strange creature at 8.30 a.m. on January 20th in the woods. And then the fire department was called out, who was pretty much the part of the Brazilian military, okay? All right, so a total of four firefighters responded to the call. Upon arriving, there was three young boys that approached the firefighters and told them that they had seen a weird-looking creature on a nearby street that ran into an embankment that leads down into the nearby woods. 
a man and a woman approached the firefighters and stated that they had witnessed the creature as well and that the boys had been throwing stones at it until they told them to stop, <laughs> in which the creature then disappeared into the woods. So the firefighters told the individuals to stay near the street and that they were going to go look for this creature in the woods. They put on some gloves, they grabbed their nets, and they walked into the woods and began searching for it. Now, as they were searching through this thick, wooded area, they started to smell a strong, unpleasant, ammonia-like smell. And they also began to see glimpses of something small running away from them in the forest. Eventually, two hours later, the firefighters were able to catch up with the creature, in which they described it as being only three feet tall. The strange creature had oily brown colored skin, large blood red eyes, a very small mouth, and three raised bumps on its forehead. The creature appeared to be injured and could no longer run away from the firefighters. So at that point, the firefighters threw the net over the creature, and upon doing so, it immediately made some weird hum-slash-buzzing sound. Now, shortly after the creature was captured, military commander Rua Susia arrived in which he was accompanied by an army truck plus two military officers and a sergeant. And just a side note, that military truck that had arrived had been sent from ESA, which we mentioned earlier. It was at High Security Military Academy base, which was 25 kilometers from Virginia. So yeah, just a little FYI. Shortly after all the military people arrived, the area was sealed off and secured. The creature was then placed in a small wooden box. The box was then placed into the back of the army truck, and a canvas was used to cover the back of it. The truck quickly left the area and went to the ESA in Tres Corazoyas. Now, at that point, you think that would be the end of the encounters with these creatures, but it isn't. A few hours later, between 1.30 p.m. and 2 p.m., two individuals named Cynthia Lucy and Bob Pratt were jogging in Virginia. Now, as Cynthia and Bob crossed a small footbridge near an empty pasture that was near the woods, they witnessed two soldiers carrying automatic rifles as well as small rectangular aluminum suitcases. Now, we do have an actual quote from Cynthia and Bob. They said, and we quote, The four soldiers grouped into a V formation and moved up the hill. They were searching and looking into small grove of trees just below the railroad tracks. Shortly after that, they started to make their way towards the bigger wooded area. We continued jogging and lost sight of them. A minute or two later, we heard three gunshots. We ended up returning to the area that overlooked the woods and saw that there was now an army truck parked there. A few seconds later, four soldiers who had originally gone into the woods came out of it, struggling up the steep embankment carrying two bags. Two soldiers to each bag. One of the bags was squirming as if something alive was inside of it. The other bag had no movement. Both bags were placed into the back of the army truck. The soldiers climbed in and the truck sped away. So that is what the joggers had reported. Now at the same time, a lawyer who was living nearby, he had heard those three gunshots as well, and he decided to look outside of his window. The lawyer stated that he witnessed the soldiers carrying sacks that contained something inside of them up the hill and then placing them into the army truck. So 
the lawyer kind of backs up the two joggers' stories. And you'll see that quite often as we continue on with this timeline of all these eyewitness accounts is that multiple people are backing up other accounts. Like, hey, I saw it as well, and this is when I saw it. It's very strange. This is a very weird story, okay? And it all connects. Yes, it does. So only a little over an hour later, at 3.30 p.m., two sisters, 16-year-old Lillian Da Silva, 14-year-old Valkyria Da Silva, along with their 22-year-old friend Cassia Xavier, were walking past an open plot of land near the city of Santa Ana, Brazil, which is just north of Virginia. And just a little FYI, uh, so you remember the boys that were throwing the rocks at the creature earlier that morning? Yes, I do. Well, these two sisters and their friend, that area that they're walking in right now, that was only a few hundred yards away from where those boys had spotted the creature earlier that day. So just kind of keep that in mind, all right? Didn't that one get captured? Yes, but there are more creatures. Ooh. There's multiple. All right, all right. So the three girls didn't have a clue about a creature being spotted in the area earlier that day. So they were just walking along talking about random girl shit, you know. And that is when they noticed 20 feet in front of them was a strange-looking creature that was squatting down in the grass. It was taking a shit. <laughs> it was taking a shit. <laughs> That's immediately what I thought about whenever I first read this and I heard that story from them. I'm like, they just saw somebody taking a shit. They were out camping or doing something and decided to poop. Yeah. All right. So the girls described this creature as having oily brown skin. It was around three feet tall. It had thin arms and legs. It had a triangular-shaped head with three large ridges on top of its head. Its eyes were very large, red, and bulging. It had a very small slit for its mouth, a very small nose. It had no ears, and it had huge veins. Also, the creature was naked but it didn't have any sexual organs or anything. So no penises or vaginas or boobs or anything like that. Or nipples. So, yeah. So upon seeing this creature, the girls initially thought it was a statue. However, they quickly realized that it was not. The girls ended up screaming, and the creature turned its head, looked at them, almost as if it was frightened, and crouched a bit lower, trying to hide from them. So the three girls immediately ran in the opposite direction of the creature, and they continued to run all the way back to their homes, which was more than 20 blocks away. Now, upon arriving back home, they started to tell their families about what they had just seen. A neighbor heard the commotion, came over being all nosy, and told them that he would drive them back to the site of the encounter. The girls ended up saying, okay, and they went back to the site where the creature was, However, when they got there, there was no sign of the creature, but there was an area of matted grass where it had been, and the area smelled of ammonia. And just a little knowledge nugget, a few years ago, National Geographic was actually able to locate these three girls, and they did an interview with him. And uh, I was actually able to find that video of their interview, but we're going to listen to that during our Strange Facts and Findings. But I just thought I would mention it. All right, so back to the story. Now, when the girls initially saw the creature and screamed, a nearby elderly woman and a younger girl heard them. They thought that maybe someone was in trouble. So this old-ass lady and this young girl kept an eye on the area where the girl's scream came from. So ten minutes later, the old lady and young girl, who were both peeping out the window, 
they both witnessed firefighters from the city arrive in that area and watch them capture some type of creature that, at the time, they assumed was just a regular animal. The firefighters then loaded up the creature and then drove away. Shortly after that, a storm rolled in. However, multiple military police vehicles arrived in the area that the firefighters had left hours prior. They began walking around and searching the area. One of the military police officers named Mark Marco Cherize ended up coming across a strange-looking creature that looked injured and was laying on the ground unable to move. Marco decided to load up the creature in his military police car and took it to a small local health clinic. Now, after arriving at the health clinic, he took the creature out of his vehicle, brought it inside, and at that point, all of the doctors and nurses were like, what the hell is that? And they refused to go near it. They thought it was like some type of demonic creature. And something that I didn't mention earlier, but those three girls, they also mentioned that they thought it was some demon as well. So that became like a common theme, is that these creatures were demons. Ooh. All right, so the doctors and nurses at that small clinic were like, we aren't getting near the thing, take it somewhere else. Marco loaded the creature back up and took it to a bigger hospital. So now we're going to transition to a witness story from a nurse at that other bigger hospital and what she saw that day. So later that evening, at one of the best hospitals in the area, called Hospital Humanitas, a nurse there named Ibira Jara Rodriguez stated that several army vehicles filled with soldiers arrived. The soldiers closed off several sections of the hospital, not allowing patients, visitors, or even employees into them. Nurse Rodriguez said that none of her co-workers knew what the hell was going on. Eventually, she saw multiple physicians and doctors from other cities arrive at the hospital, and they were escorted by the soldiers into the sectioned-off area of the hospital. And that is what we know from the Nurse Rodriguez, okay? And I know it's kind of confusing, but we don't have like a full story of what all happened. All of these are eyewitness accounts that we put together in a timeline to make this story, okay? It's a little FYI. So continue on, sorry, Dan. Nope, you're good. An army officer named Vittorio Barracini ended up coming forward and stated that the first captured creature on the morning of January 20th had been taken to the ESA at Tres Corazoyes. He is unsure what happened to that creature after that. Vittorio also stated that the second creature was taken to the hospital Humanitas, which fits in with what the nurse Rodriguez had previously stated. Vittorio then went on to describe what happened to the creature after it had arrived at the hospital. He said, and we quote, There were a lot of doctors, over 15 of them, all wearing surgical suits. Some had stethoscopes around their necks. There were military policemen and firemen. One of the S-2 military intelligence lieutenants was filming everything with a portable camera while the other one was taking notes. One of the doctors came over and opened the slit of the mouth of the creature. He grabbed its tongue and rolled it out using forceps. Its tongue was long, black, and flat, and it was around 12 centimeters long. When the doctor released the forceps, the tongue went straight back into that little slit. There was an unbearable smell of ammonia. The creature was about 160 centimeters long, with big, V-shaped feet and had dark brown skin, which looked oily. It had a big head, 
with some kind of protuberances on the top of it. Three of them. It didn't have a nose, just two holes, and it just had a slit of a mouth and had big, round eyes with no pupils at all. Its legs were short and skinny, and it had long, thin arms. The creature had three fingers on each hand. It had no sexual organs, no nipples, and no belly button. There appeared to be joints in the knees, which were grazed and wrinkled. All right, so following that, Vittorio stated that two days later, at around 6 p.m., a military truck entered the hospital through a side entrance and backed up to a doorway. Vittorio then stated that he witnessed the creature being placed into a small wooden casket and had a lid placed over top. Eventually, the lid to the box was screwed down by two military personnel who were both wearing face masks and gloves. The small wooden casket was then wrapped in black plastic sheets and then placed into the back of the military vehicle. Vittorio said that he didn't know what happened to the creature after the military truck left, but that he assumed it went to the ESA, which of course is that highly secure army base. Also, a little knowledge nugget real quick. Everything that we just went over regarding Vittorio came from a recorded deposition that he gave regarding what happened. So it is an official record from an army officer, which also Officer Vittorio did give a full-on list of all the Brazilian military personnel who were present during the examination. Yeah, it's all official and on record. All right, so after the military truck left the hospital with the alien body, a lot of individuals stated that they witnessed a long convoy of military trucks being led by a yellow Volkswagen van and that they were all heading out of the city of Virginia towards the Army Cadet School in Campinas. The following morning, it was again reported that this convoy of military vehicles were headed to the University of Campinas, a.k.a. Unicamp. What happens next to the creature is uncertain. However, there are rumors that the creature's body was autopsied at Unicamp by Dr. Fortunato Bauheres who was the head of the Department of Forensic Medicine. And I'm going to give you a little random history lesson, okay? It's a little random knowledge nugget because it's crazy how this doctor connects with other things, okay? So you know who Joseph Mengele is, right? Not right off. Okay, all right. Well, he was a Nazi officer and a doctor during World War II, and he's known as the Angel of Death due to all of the crazy-ass experiments that he did on prisoners there. Ah, uh, okay. I remember now. So that's who he is. So get this. After World War II had ended, he ended up escaping to Brazil. Now, in Brazil, he ended up taking a whole different identity, and he called himself Wolfgang Gerard. For over 20 years, he was able to evade being captured, and he was, like, highly wanted. Everyone was looking for his ass. Finally, in 1979, he ended up dying and he was buried under that name of Wolfgang Gerard, and not his original name of Joseph Mingle. Now, at this time, no one knew that he had died. They just assumed that he was still on the run and hiding. So eventually, in 1985, someone sent some information to the West German prosecutor's office. This information said something like, Yo, Hans Settlemeyer, he was one of Joseph Mingle's lifelong friends. Well, guess what? He's been talking to Joseph. Well, once that West German prosecutor's office got that note, they were like, hey, we need to raid Hans's house, which they did. Now, during the raid, they ended up finding a small address book that had copies of letters in it that were sent to and from Joseph. 
Now, something else that was in those letters was a note from six years ago in 1979 from an individual named Bossert. Now, this Bossert guy told Hans that Joseph had actually passed away. It was at that point that German authorities then alerted the police in Brazil. The Brazilian police arrested Bossert, they interrogated him, in which he told them where Joseph's body was buried. So Joseph's body was then dug up, and an international team of doctors ended up doing an autopsy on it. Shortly after that, it was confirmed that the body was indeed Joseph Mingles. Now, why do I mention this? Well, earlier, Dan, when you stated that there were rumors that the creature's body was autopsied at Unicamp by Dr. Fertinato, well, guess who was on the international team of doctors who was selected to do the autopsy of Joseph Mingle? Dr. Fortunato. Ooh. So if anybody was to be selected for an autopsy of something of this high up, it would be Dr. Fortunato because he was selected for the Joseph Mingle autopsy. So there you go. Little knowledge nugget. Damn. All right. So like Aaron stated, the rumor was that Dr. Fortunato was the doctor who did the autopsy on the creature. However, Dr. Fortunato denies it. He doesn't talk to the press or anyone else about the topic, and he even threatens the press stating that he will sue anyone who tries to associate his name with the Vargina incident. So the rumors about what had occurred started spreading like wildfire, and everyone in Brazil, and even in certain parts of the world, were talking about what had happened, about the UFO crash, and about the creature. Finally, almost four months later, on May 8, 1996, Brigadier General Sergio Pedro Lima, who was the commander over the ESA, he ended up holding a press conference where he read a statement regarding what had occurred between January 20, 1996 and January 22, 1996. General Lima stated that the ESA Army base had no connection with the events of those days. Also, he insisted that nothing unusual happened in the city on those days. A journalist then spoke up and asked him what the ESA military was doing on January 20th, 1996, in which he replied that the military was, and we quote, working for the sake of the army and for the sake of the nation. The journalist then spoke up again and asked if he could prove that, in which the general kind of snapped back and said, prove it to whom? We don't have to prove anything. And what I had to say is already said. The general then turned around and then left the press conference with his middle finger up. I'm just kidding. He didn't have his middle finger up. So following that, for the next few years, rumors continued to circulate as to what truly happened. Finally, in 1999, during a BBC report on the Discovery Channel, Major Calza of the Brazilian military, along with that General Lima, they ended up releasing a new statement. They stated that on the dates of January 20th to January 22nd of 96, there was a disfigured, mentally retarded dwarf who had been badly injured due to the hailstorm that had occurred in that city. The dwarf also had his pregnant wife with him, who was a dwarf as well. Together, they walked through the city of Virginia, scaring the local residents. Major Calza then stated that the dwarf couple was then taken in a military army truck to the hospital. It's like they just made it worse, right? The first press conference release, they were very vague. They stated nothing happened. And then this next one, they blame it on a mentally challenged dwarf 
who had been freaking injured during a hellstorm, and that him and his pregnant wife, who were both dwarves, were running around scaring people. That's so messed up. It's like, what? Oh, my God. And that was the end of their statement in 1999. And, of course, I mean, just like the last time, years continued to pass, and rumors just continued to circulate. Finally, in 2010, the Brazilian military came out again and decided to make a third official statement about what occurred in 1996. They first spoke about the creature that the three girls had reportedly seen. They stated after an intensive investigation into the matter that they concluded that the girls did not see an alien creature, but instead what they saw was a homeless, mentally unstable man squatting down who was covered in mud and that his nickname in the area was Mudino. The commander of the military then presented photographs to the reporters of this Mudino. He stated that it was likely that this Mudino was crouching down and he was all muddy due to the rains in the area at that time, and that when the girls saw him, they just assumed that he was some weird-looking creature. And we do have three photographs that were released of this Mudino, and if you want to see him, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the References page and scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you'll see these pictures there. The first one is a picture of Mudino with two other gentlemen sitting to each side of him. The one on the left looks like his brother, or unless they're all brothers. Yeah, he, he's very skinny, though, this Mudino. You can see his arms are very skinny. Yeah. The next picture is two photographs of Mudino uh, on the right-hand side, and then on the left-hand side is, like, uh, the supposed creature that the individual seen. And they're kind of pointing out similarities of the creature in Mudino. Similarities? <laughs> I, there isn't really no similarities. They're just like pointing. This is his ear. This is where the creature's ear was. There's like no similarities at all. But they're just like pointing to the same spots. This is where this would be located if it was him. Yeah. Uh, and then the last photograph, the third one, which I think is the most believable one. On the right-hand side is a photograph of Modino squatting down. And then on the left side is the sketch of this creature squatting down looks very similar he is very skinny mudino so i mean the body wise it looks the same i don't know how do you a monkey would have been more believable yeah anyway so what happened next dan well the military continued on with their statement and said that the military trucks that were seen operating in the area on those days were all part of their normal schedule also the presence of the firefighters in the area and the army trucks parking near the hospital was part of periodic maintenance being carried out. They also stated that the alien creatures that so many people in the area had supposedly seen were actually a dwarf couple, and one of them was pregnant. Ugh, so they're sticking to the dwarf couple story and just adding on a few more things. Yep. Mm. So that right there was the last statement from the Brazilian military about the 1996 event. And it's pretty much the entire story of this Varginha UFO crash and creature encounters. However, the weird stuff does not stop there because now we are going to dive into some super weird stuff that we came across while researching this story. I mean, really weird stuff. But before we do, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. 
So Dan, do you want to start it off for us and tell us about our first strange fact and finding? Of course. So our first strange fact and finding is about Marco Shariza. Now, you remember Marco, right? Yeah, but uh, give us like a little reminder about who he is. He was that military police officer who loaded up the creature into his police car with his bare hands and took him to that small health clinic where none of the doctors would touch the creature because they thought it was a demon. So Marco then loaded the creature back up and took it to a bigger hospital. And this is where it gets really weird. So a few days after this happened, Marco ended up becoming very sick, and he was admitted to a hospital with a high fever. He ended up losing the use of his arms and legs, and he was unable to feed himself. The doctors at the time couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong with him. Eventually, on February 15th, almost a month after his encounter, Marco ended up passing away. Marco's family was then told that his coffin should be kept sealed, the funeral should take place immediately without delay, and that burial should follow within a few hours. So get it done as quickly as possible. Marco's family ended up suing the military police due to his death never being explained to them. An autopsy was performed on Marco. However, the results have never been released, other than a note from a lab report that stated, and I quote, a small quantity of toxic material had been found in his body. So Marco's family also stated that they requested the official records of Marco's work schedule so that they could have proof that their son was on duty the night that he, you know, that all this shit happened to him. Now, we do have a picture of Marco's family holding up a picture of Marco in his army uniform and whatnot. Yeah, and we'll have that posted up on our website for anybody to take a look at. Um, and it is worth mentioning, as we were digging deep into this, we did find out that in 2012, the cardiologist Cesaro Lincoln Furtado, he was the last doctor to actually see and attend to Marco in the hospital right before he died. So this Dr. Furtado, he stated that right before Marco died, he confessed to him that he participated in the capture of a alien-like being that had appeared there a few weeks prior. Ooh. And also something else, this cardiologist did state that they were running all these tests on him, and at that point, it wasn't like Marco was saying, hey, I captured like an alien and held him with my bare hands, and that's why I'm sick. Like he wasn't giving them any information as to why he was sick, and they couldn't figure it out. And right before he died is when Marco told that cardiologist, hey, this is why I might be sick. I captured some weird alien creature with my bare hands. So, yeah, very, very odd for him to say that. Yeah. I'm telling you, this literally is the weirdest UFO creature alien case I've ever heard of. And it has the most evidence I've ever seen in an entire case. There are tons of witnesses who can back up other witnesses. It's very strange. It is definitely very strange. Oh, yeah. Speaking of strange, tell us about this next thing, Dan. Ooh. All right, so our next strange fact and finding is about some additional witnesses. So an individual named James Fox, who works for National Geographic, was actually able to track down the three girls who witnessed that strange creature that one night. Now, we do have a short two-minute audio clip of James interviewing those girls. And just keep in mind, this is current day. So these girls, 
when they saw the creature, they were what young, they were like 14, 16 and 22. Now they're a lot older. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're going to play that right now. Can you describe to us what happened in January of 1996? So uh, it was around three o'clock in the afternoon. She saw uh, a little creature that was really sweating. It was like a little person, but with no hair whatsoever, red eyes and three horns. She pointed to the other girls and started running the other way. If they all had the opportunity to speak to the world about their experience, what would they like the world to know? They said it wasn't a good experience at all. If they could choose, they wouldn't go through it again. How has it changed their lives? Como isso afetou a vida de vocês? Em tudo, no trabalho, na escola. She said it affected everything, like from friendships to work to school, people getting away from them, people thinking they were, you know, crazy or something. Alguém pode chegar? Não, foi assim. Pegamos e levamos para tal lugar. She just says that she hopes that one day the whole thing will come clear and she will, you know, her word will be taken seriously and they'll know that she was always telling the truth. So what do you think of that? I mean, they seem like they're telling the truth and... Yeah, you could tell they, they got pretty emotional. Yeah. Mm. So pretty much they were bullied because of what they said they saw. So people pretty much like treated them differently. They lost friends over it. Oh, yeah. That's messed up. So that wasn't the only thing that happened to them. So our next strange fact and finding actually has to do with the two sisters. So on May 3rd, 1996, at around 11 p.m., now this was like a few months after they witnessed the creature, their mother, Louisa, she was awoken from a knock at her front door. She answered the door and was immediately confronted by four men dressed in dark suits. The men pushed their way inside her home and asked where Lillian and Valkyria were, saying that they needed to talk to them. Louisa went to their room, woke them up, and they all gathered together in a small living room. The girls and their mother all sat on one sofa and the four men sat on a sofa opposite of them. Now, we do have a quote from Louisa about what happened next. So Louisa said, and we quote, One man was about 50 years old, the others in their early 30s. They were polite, but businesslike. Which, I mean, why do you call them polite if they just barged into your home? Anyway. True. Only the older man and one of the others talked. They never identified themselves but spent more than an hour trying to get the girls to change their story and even implied that they would be paid a lot of money if they made their denials publicly on TV. Afraid to object, I stated that they would think it over. The men finally left, but told us not to follow them to try to see what kind of car they were driving. We never saw the men again. So basically, they got visited by the men in black. Hmm. Very, very weird. Which we did an episode over the Men in Black. That was one of our early episodes. Yeah. It's a good one. And of course, like something I read about this uh, strange fact and finding is the Men in Black movie with Will Smith didn't come out until 1998, I believe. 
So they weren't like uh, persuaded or whatever by the movie or anything like that. So it's not like they were making it up because they saw the movie Men in Black or some shit. Huh. Okay. Well, maybe the movie was made after, you know, some of those creatures. I don't know. We'll we'll get into that theory during theories or whatever. But um, regarding people telling others to, hey, not say anything, that, that actually occurred to some of the nurses. So, Dan, tell us about this next strange fact and finding. All right. So our next strange fact and finding is about the Hospital Humanitas, which, of course, is the hospital where one of the creatures were taken and the hospital itself was sectioned off. Well, a lot of the employees of the hospital ended up coming forward and said that on Monday, January 22nd, all hospital employees were told that they had to attend a mandatory meeting. At this meeting, all the employees were told to ignore everything that had happened this past weekend with the military, that the entire thing was just a training exercise for doctors and military personnel. Also, if anyone asked questions about it, they were not allowed to discuss it at all, as it was a company matter. Ain't that crazy? Gotta keep it hush-hush. Man, I just... The more and more stuff that we dug into and found out about this, just it made this story more believable and more crazy, you know? Yeah. And it just keeps getting better uh, because our next strange fact and finding comes from a journalist in Brazil named Juan Jose Benitez. So on December 11th, 1999, Juan ended up giving a lecture at a local conference in Brazil. During this lecture, he spoke about the Virginia incident that occurred a few years prior in 1996. Juan said, and we quote, In January 1996, I found unusual traces of materials, 30 meters from a fence at the site in Varginha, where one of the creatures had been captured. These traces had apparently been overlooked by other investigators. On hard soil covered with grass and lying on a slope is where I found three cylindrical holes about 20 centimeters deep and 20 to 40 centimeters wide, forming a right-angled triangle with an 11-meter hypotenuse. A tree very close to one of the holes had fallen, and a stone in the middle of the pattern had been melted. I took samples of the stone, and the samples came back stating that the stone had reached temperatures of 1,100 degrees Celsius. Also, the soil samples of the ground were sent off and analyzed, Those samples came back stating that the ground soil had been sterilized by something. 1,100 degrees Celsius. So yeah, that was from the journalist right there. Um, He stated he did samples, and a lot of them came back very odd. And these strange facts and findings just continue on. So Dan, tell us about this next one. So our next strange fact and finding is about the United States. So one of the more popular rumors that were circulating around Brazil was that the Brazilian government ended up relinquishing control of the aliens over to the United States. Now, the reason that this rumor became so popular is because on January 20th, 1996, there was a heavy U.S. Air Force transport aircraft seen at Sao Paulo International Airport. Then two days later, on January 22nd, 1996, another heavy U.S. Air Force transport aircraft was spotted at the Campinas Airport. Now, that is just speculation, right? It's people just saying, hey, I spotted these aircraft there. 
So at that point, we decided to look into, you know, if there was really aircraft there and like what was the relations of the United States and Brazil at that time. Now, what we found was extremely odd. So get this. On March 1st, 1996, the United States and Brazil, they ended up signing a space cooperation agreement. Now, in this treaty, the countries agreed to a number of things, including peaceful application of space research, working together in the peaceful uses of outer space, and enhance cooperation in research of space technologies. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I mean, a month later, they signed that treaty. So weird. And you have a link to that. Yeah, I do have a link to the uh, treaty itself, and we'll provide that on our website for anybody to go take a look at and they want to read. It's a total of 42 pages, and it goes into detail about what this treaty includes. So yeah, good stuff that we found. All right, Dan, so what's this next strange fact and finding we got? All right, this next strange fact and finding is about a video game called Alien Anarchy, a.k.a. Incidente in Vargina, which, have you heard of that, Aaron? Is that that video game that kept popping up when I was trying to look up stuff about this? Yes. Okay, yeah. Well, I was looking up all types of stuff about this incident. This video game kept popping up. I kept wondering the same thing, and then I finally just, like, gave in and just, like, started reading up on it. Considering that a lot of people consider this Vargina incident to be like the Roswell of Brazil. Well, back in 1998, a company decided to make a video game of the incident. It was a first-person shooter game where you ended up helping the aliens try to collect their brethren and spaceship, and you go through fighting the, I guess, Brazilian army. <laughs> Which, I ended up watching a guy that test-played this game. <laughs> It was like one of those, uh, I guess you say like Doom at the very, like first Doom game. Okay, so you can't go up and down. It's just left or right. Pretty much. Okay. You do have a link of it. Yeah, this is pretty much a uh, gameplay of it. But uh, in the game, it had, of course, the military in there, as well as Men in Black that you had to shoot. And at like, I think at the very beginning, one of the aliens warns you to be careful of the grays. Oh. So it's like interesting. Okay. That's really weird. Yeah. Oh shit. This is an MS DOS game. Oh good yeah. Good luck finding the good luck being able to play it. Oh my God. It has some decent graphics for back then. I mean, it does look very similar to Doom, but yeah, it just shows an alien walking around with a machine gun, which makes zero sense. I mean if you're able to travel around the universe, you wouldn't just arrive at earth and use their weapons against the humans you would bring some like ultra plasma death rifle or something off of like mars attacks yeah and they they said this game was actually pretty easy because even though you're going up you're just one man going up against like a whole army and men in black and all that stuff they had like armor and health and everything all laid out everywhere for you to collect so it's not like you had you were really gonna die but okay it was very weird We'll have a link to that gameplay on our website for anybody that wants to take a look at it. All right, so let's go into our last strange fact and finding. Dan, do you want to tell us about it? I sure will. So this last strange fact and finding we have is about a 10 million year old sculpture that was found. So 
A couple of six-inch jade sculptures were brought over to the United States from the government of China. They explained that these jade sculptures were dated to 10 million years old. I have images, a couple of these sculptures, which, Aaron, what do you, like, what do you think when you see those? They look exactly like the aliens that were described by the people in Brazil in 1996. They have the three, uh, I, I don't want to call them horns because they're not horns, but they're like protuberances, like a... Like a Klingon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a Klingon. Yeah, they, on three of them on the top of their head, they got giant eyes. The only difference is that these carvings have giant noses, and the uh, creature supposedly had very small nose holes. Yeah, very small noses. But besides that, I mean, it almost looks identical. Yeah, so these things look pretty similar to what the aliens in uh, Vargina looked like. Now, is there a connection? They don't really know, but... They were just like, it could have been a possibility that these aliens that showed up in Brazil actually visited 10 million years ago. I mean, we've talked about this previously on, on other episodes, uh, like the Anunnaki, how supposedly they've been visiting the uh, Earth for hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. So it could be the same with these creatures. Maybe these extraterrestrials have been visiting as well. There's just a whole bunch of different races that visit. Hmm. True. These, these creatures ended up getting screwed, screwed over. Yeah, these ones did. <laughs> they got pelted with rocks and then captured. Girls pointed and screamed at them. That hurts the pride right there. And while they were sitting there trying to take a shit. Exactly. Let me do my business. So that right there is the last strange fact and finding. Now we're going to transition into theories and discuss some hypotheticals as to what the people of Brazil actually witnessed in 1996. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. So we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. All right. So this first theory that we're going to go over is called cargo. So this theory states, what if aliens were traveling around in the universe and they just happened to stumble upon Earth? Now, these aliens were carrying some special cargo inside of their UFOs. Now, this special cargo was supposed to be delivered to another planet. Or maybe it was supposed to be delivered to Earth, okay? And this cargo was some part of a project by the aliens as a way to bring a new species to safely grow in a new environment. Kind of like alien livestock, right? It was like the aliens' cows. Now, the cargo were these little miniature beings that were three feet tall, and they were released either on purpose or on accident when the UFO crashed. Our military ended up killing them. Kids threw rocks at them. The creatures and the aliens witnessed this happening, and they were like, fuck this, we're out of here. They get in their ships that's working, and they jet off. Interesting. So, yeah. It wasn't actually aliens. Uh, these creatures were actually like livestock of aliens, whether it be a pet or maybe some type of creature that they made. Ooh. That's our first theory. Okay. They were like failed experiments. Ooh, we kind of get into that here in a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. Ooh. All right, Dan, tell us about this next theory we have. All right, so this next theory is called mass hysteria. So as many of you may know, in a lot of our previous episodes, we have talked about mass hysteria. However, if you don't know what it is, it's pretty much when a large group of people get together 
and start experiencing feelings or health symptoms. And then those symptoms are then felt among the rest of the group, even though they don't have it. So this mass hysteria could have started by the young girl seeing a mentally ill man covered in mud, mistaking him for a creature. Word spreads around the city. A lot of people start experiencing the same thing. However, they don't really see any creatures. It's all just a form of hallucination from mass hysteria. You know my thoughts on mass hysteria, Dan. We've mentioned this theory multiple times on other episodes. I am not a fan of the mass hysteria theory. No. I just, I just don't see how multiple people over a span of time can see the same exact thing. I just don't see it. Now, if it was a small group of people, I mean, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, not multiple people reporting the same thing. All this weird stuff going on. All the nurses being told not to say anything. In different locations. It, yes, in different locations. Uh, even that police officer passing away. All the strange things that happened over those days. Just so weird. And I don't think mass hysteria is the right theory for this as to what truly happened. Yeah, I would believe it was mass hysteria if it was like a like a small group. They were all together at the same time and they saw something or supposedly saw something. But with them being in different locations around the city and they all had like different experiences about it, not the same exact thing. Yeah, so exactly. All right, so let's get into this next theory, which is called experiment. And this one is my personal favorite. So what if these creatures and the UFO that was witnessed were not actually extraterrestrials or some UFO from outer space, but instead it was a result of some weird military scientific experiment and that these creatures may have escaped and taken this secret UFO that the uh, Brazilian military was working on. Or maybe the United States was doing experiments on creating some type of human hybrid, half-humans, half-something, over in Brazil, and then this creature ends up escaping, or creatures end up escaping. Yeah, they do seem like doing, they like doing things in different countries where... They can't be prosecuted in the United States? Exactly. Yeah, it seems to be a common theme in some of our episodes. I'm trying to think of the episode that we did where we covered that. The Ukraine one? Yes. Yes, that's exactly. The labs? Yeah. Yep. All right, Dan, so tell us about this last theory we have. All right, this last theory that we have is called publicity. So what if this entire thing was blown out of proportion by the local media as a way to bring in more tourism? For example, after the incident, many locals began selling alien dolls, bus stops were built in the form of spaceships, the city had its water tower turned into a huge flying saucer. Video game was made. I mean, ah, Ben, I, I don't know. I can see them taking advantage of the situation to earn money. That's exactly what I was thinking, that they just took advantage of the situation. Yeah, I, I believe that. I guess that takes us to our personal thoughts and theories. Dan, do you personally think that some aliens or extraterrestrials came from outer space? and or running around the streets or do you believe what the military said that they were dwarves running around i believe this has to be aliens like i don't the whole dwarf story is i don't believe that one bit 
like what person like do you see like have red bulging eyes that are like super big three like ridges on their head very like super skinny i don't know but then like how do you explain like the ufo crash people witnessing that the hospital telling all the nurses to be quiet everything just all of the weird stuff all of the weird stories it all comes together to create a perfect timeline of everybody witnessing something yeah it all plays out, even to the point to where the United States making the space cooperation agreement with Brazil a month later. It's like, man, I am right there with you. I truly think that something happened on those days, and it's purposely being covered up. I mean, do you really think a nurse is going to tell an officer, no, we're not going to treat this demon, even though it, they were like, oh, it's a dwarf, this demon you know, here at this hospital or clinic, you need to take it somewhere else. They're not going to do that if it's actual, like, person. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then, of course, the cop, as before he passed away, he even said that it was, like, it wasn't dwarf. He didn't say it wasn't dwarf. He just said it was a, like, alien being. Yep. So, I mean, not saying that he's 100% honest, but not something you just randomly say right before you die. So we're both on the same page when it comes to this story. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's awesome. Uh, so, something else that I wanted to mention uh, before we roll this episode out is that upon doing this research for this incident, I found that there was a ton of UFO sightings in Brazil. I mean, a ton. Oh, Brazil's like a hotspot for it. Yeah. And I, I actually planned on covering some of those other encounters on this episode as well. But, you know, after we sunk our teeth into this and realized, hey, there's so much information and in how big this episode is, I decided to keep those other sightings, you know, in Brazil for, you know, later episodes because there is a ton more that are just as interesting. This is true. With that being said, uh, before we roll this out, I do want to say if uh, you or a loved one were in Brazil in 1996 and you witnessed the creature, send us an email. We'd love to hear about it. And if we mispronounce anything, send us an audio recording on how to say it correctly. I will still get it wrong. <laughs> because we did look into these pronunciations quite a bit to make sure that we uh, said it right. Yeah. We apologize if we pronounced anything wrong. I still can't roll the R's right. I'm trying. Hey, you're getting good. You're getting real good. Why, thank you. That means a lot. You're welcome. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to add to today's episode before we roll this out? Nope. It was a crazy episode. Definitely crazy topic. Did not expect to find as much as we did. I'm right there with you. I did not expect it to be absolutely loaded with the amount of information that it did. It is my now favorite UFO case. But you don't like the Betty and Barney Hill one? Better than that. I don't know. They're dachshund. Big, fat dachshund of theirs. <laughs> that fat-ass dachshund they had. <laughs> I can't believe a dog got that huge. Oh, poor thing. All right, so that's the end of today's episode. So now we're going to move to our on-the-scene. So if you don't know what our on-the-scene is, it is where an individual uh, submits an audio recording of themselves either interviewing or maybe telling their own theories or thoughts about current conspiracies or happenings in the world. Now, anyone can do this. Uh, you just take your phone. You record your interview or yourself talking, make sure the audio is less than two minutes long, and then send it to our emails, which is Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. 
and we will put it in line to play at the end of the show. So this week, for our On the Scene, we have Samantha. Now, if you remember back, I don't know, like a month or two ago, maybe even further, Samantha submitted an On the Scene with her son, Zay. You remember that? I do. Yeah, so she submitted another one, and we're going to take a listen to that right now. Hey, Aaron and Dan and the theories of the third kind community. I'm here with JJ and Eli, my nephews, and they wanted to try and do an on the scene together. They heard their cousin Zay on here last time and thought it was awesome. So they wanted to give it a go too. Eli, do you believe in Bigfoot? Yes, I, yes, I believe in Bigfoot. I think there is a book Bigfoot out there. I've have seen some videos, but you never know. It could be fake. It could be real. But there's it might there still might be a Bigfoot, even if those videos you see are fake. Very good. What about you, JJ? How do I, you feel? I do believe in Bigfoot because you never know when you can see him. You can probably see him one day, like when you're walking in the woods going camping and you probably can see him at night walking around good point what would you guys do if you saw bigfoot i'll record and send that to the news you would what about you e um i would take a picture and show everybody you would even show them mm-hmm. yep you'd send it in to aaron and dan yeah. mm-hmm. nice all right well that's it for today guys thanks for your time and we'll uh talk to you next time bye Bye. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. I do too. Hey, Eli, JJ, I'm glad that y'all are Bigfoot believers. And hey, you're right. You could see him at any time. You could be sleeping in your bed home alone and he will crawl through your window. I'm just kidding. He won't do that. <laughs> no, he won't, he won't do, do that. that. He won't do that. He'd probably knock on the window. <laughs> Thank you for the voicemail. Very smart and articulate kiddos. And thank you as well, Samantha, for submitting it. We love you and we're proud of you. That's right. From what I hear, we might have some future TOT3K uh, on-the-scene reporters happening. Photographers. So there was something else that I wanted to mention. In the email that we got from Samantha where she sent her on-the-scene, she also sent a little paragraph stating that she wanted to thank us for the last on-the-scene that she sent with her son Zay and that he sort of had a kind of rough year. So I just wanted to give a shout out again to Zay. Uh, I hope everything's good and uh, I don't know what's going on, but if it has to do with bullies or if it maybe has to do with like uh, schoolwork and grades or whatever, you know, just keep your head up. Things will get better. Things always get better. Yeah. School sucks. Well, at least it did for me. I didn't have that many friends. Now look at me. I got just Dan as a friend. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> Quality over quantity. That's what I always say. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you again, Samantha, Zay, Eli, and JJ. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for that wonderful on the scene. All right. So I have one special shout out, but I'm going to save the rest of my shout outs and the rest of my birthday shout outs for next week. So are you going to save your shout outs and birthday shout outs to next week, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to push them all for uh, next week. Okay. Uh, There is one special shout-out I want to give to Sean McSherry and his wife especially. Sean was an avid listener of our show, 
I remember him, he tagged us in some of the shirts he purchased. Uh, it was the Charles Manson shirt and the TOT3K New World Order shirt. Badass shirts. Yeah, they are. And I said, uh, I commented on the New World Order shirt and I said, hey, you're looking like a million bucks. And then I commented on the other one, the uh, Charles Manson shirt, and I said, I love it. And then I tagged you and I said, come give this man a big old kiss on the lips. And I got denied. <laughs> and he got denied. Sean said, I'm good, thanks. Bigfoot is in the other room. And this was uh, two weeks ago. Now, uh, uh, last week, we were actually notified by Sean's wife that he passed away. So I just wanted to give Sean a big shout out. I hope you're doing well up there wrestling Macho Man, Randy Savage, Scott Hall. You're laying the smack down on their candy asses. Okay? I like that. We'll see you on the other side. That's right. With that being said, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for the support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. Thank you for participating in this activity. Theories of the Third Kind will be back next week. Goodbye. Oh, you are still listening. Dan and Aaron. They will be with me soon. Only one more episode. Only one more episode. Only one more episode.